All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 237. Uh, Jason Lingerud is with me and Tom Barnett from The Land Down Under. We're going to talk a little bit about legal ideas. We've been meeting I, any number of people from Australia. So many people learning the law, knowing the law, and implementing the law, uh, trying to get back to a world that's common sense, if that's possible at this point. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And this is one of those rare occasions when I get to say, good evening, Crow. I think we should just get them in and, and let's jump right in here. Um, welcome, Tom. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. If I'm not mistaken, you use your full name online. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, we were referred to you. I think it was Dr. Berlando, actually, who hooked us up together. Um, he's followed what we've done and uh, we were happy to meet you. I think we're going to roll on your bullet points just as they are. So you want to kick off at Commerce? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, depending on what stage people are at, whether they're just coming around to learning about their rights in the law or uh, whether they've you know, been at it for a few years or they've had a lot of successes, I think it's important for people to realize that what we come under uh, all of the time is commerce. So when we're dealing with law, we're not necessarily dealing with statutes and codes and color of law. We're dealing with commerce and commerce is just how we act in the world of buying and selling. So most people, if if asked if they ever buy or sell, everybody would say, yes, of course, I buy and sell all the time. And so we're always involved in the act of commerce. So what's important to do is start to understand what codes and uh, maxims, I guess, govern commerce and where you stand, what realms are in there and, and where the roles are, whether you're a debtor or a creditor, and just finding out a bit more about the language involved so that you're not inadvertently putting yourself in the role of a debtor and you can maintain your role as a creditor when we're dealing in commerce. So is the contention here that just to live in the modern age, you're always involved in commerce? Is that what you're laying down? Or are there times when you're definitely not involved in commerce? Well, that depends on uh, how much you know about it and whether you are choosing to participate or not, because commerce requires your consent and commerce requires agreements or contracts. So if you know how to use your own language, the right language, and then you're not inadvertently getting yourself into agreements that you are unknowingly entering into or turning an agreement into a contract by way usually of uh, consideration, which means payment. So then besides those two, with your own, I guess, use of language, you can withdraw yourself from, from commerce. But generally speaking, everything, every spoken word, every agreement, it, it all comes under Commerce and what's important is to uh, you know know when and where and how you can either refrain from entering into commercial agreements or uh, reserve your rights going in so that it's not held against you. Can we give an example or two of commerce in our daily lives that maybe a lot of folks won't realize it, it is indeed commerce? Sure. So uh, anytime that there is anything offered. So a simple example is if I was a contractor I was a builder or a plumber or a painter. I might come to your home or I might uh, give you a call or you'd call me. And what I would do is I would offer my services. I would say, I can do this service for you. It will cost this amount of money. And these are my terms and conditions. Would you like to go ahead, essentially? And you as a client, potential client or customer, have the right to, first of all, agree or disagree uh, to, to not consent to entering into that. You also have the ability to negotiate. You could say, well, I don't like these terms and conditions, but if we change this one and this one, then I'm in. 
So you have the right to either refuse honorably, you have the right to conditionally accept, you have the right to negotiate. So how that applies to modern daily life is that you might be offered, for example, a tax bill, or you might be offered to wear a mask in public, or you might be offered to take a vaccine, you might be offered to pay a fine for not doing any of the above. So in that regard, if you come at it from the idea that it is an offer to enter into commerce or to contract, then you have the right to uh, conditionally accept, which is honorable. You can fully accept, which is honorable. If you uh, outright refuse or you remain silent in the world of commerce, that's dishonorable and you enter into the realm of being uh, dishonorable, which is not favorable when we're dealing with commerce. So to clarify that, if you are offered a fine or you're offered to have to get a vaccine or whatever it might be, then you can, to remain in honor, my favorite way is to conditionally accept. So if you were to offer that to me, I would say, well, I'll conditionally accept your offer to get a vaccine or to pay a $1,000 fine for not wearing a mask or whatever it might be. And then I would say on the condition that you can provide for me the source, your source of authority to either make me do this or to issue a fine and that you can uh, satisfy points one to say three or four. And if you can satisfy these, then I will most definitely uh, take up your offer to receive a vaccination or to pay this, this um, alleged debt that you're offering me. So by doing that, I am remaining honorable in commerce. And it is then up to you to provide your proof of claim. And if you cannot provide that, then there is no agreement. And, uh, and the, the commercial outcome or win is in my favor in that way under commerce. Let's ask a couple questions here. So can this portion be done? Does it have to be done in writing? Can it be done verbally? I mean, you're going to find yourself in a lot of positions where stopping to try to write these things down and submit it seems a bit tedious, um, but I guess yep. if that was the way, that's the way. Can it be done orally? Yeah, it can, yeah. So the, the ways that you can contract or agree or whatever is that you can do it verbally. You can uh, sign something. It can be in writing and uh, or you can make a payment. If, you, if uh, you, know, you offer to me to pay a fine and I pay it, I make that agreement. I forge that agreement and it's done. And I do that via giving payment. I can sign something to agree and yeah, as you've said, which is a great point, I can verbally agree. So uh, if you are offered with these you know, offers in public, for example, and somebody is speaking them to you, yes, you can 100% do this verbally as well. You can uh, conditionally accept, uh, you can ask a proof of claim, you can ask for evidence, you can ask for a source of authority. And if they don't provide those, the most important part about commerce is the idea of holding your position because a lot of people, especially nowadays, they can either play dumb or if you're dealing with somebody lower level and they're just on minimum wage, they may have no idea of what you're talking about. So in that regard, you need to push a little further. You need to uh, let them know that you might may counterclaim against them and get their indemnity insurer involved because anybody working in a public capacity, which is anybody that's going to offer you some kind of uh, commercial offer, are working in the in a public capacity, so they need to provide. They need to hold public and and uh, yeah, just indemnity insurance, various types. So that just means that if they do anything that goes against their code of conduct, whether they're aware of their own code of conduct or not, it can go as a complaint to their indemnity insurer, and that can mean first of all them getting fired, and then second of all you receiving a settlement 
because of breach of conduct. So I'm well, there are a couple of things. I'm guessing that a lot of people are going to have a phone in their hand uh, and they're going to record these things, which would probably deal with a lot of the issues. But I mean, that means you're going to make some kind of a court claim, doesn't it? Um, if you try to do the best you can, everything goes south and I don't know what's it called, a breach or, or whatever, the rules have been broken for you to follow on, you would have to go to court, wouldn't you? Well, let's also establish that a court is indeed a place where commerce transpires, is it not? It is, yeah. A courtroom is simply, uh, it's a business. Uh, in the States, I think all the judges are paid by the court authority. Uh, in Australia, yeah, it's, they're, all, they're essentially Masonic temples. So they're all there just to provide money for the court system. So when they, are, yeah, so first of all, yes, they are 100% just dealing with commerce. Uh, second of all, though, we have the two different realms. We have the private realm and the public realm. So when me personally, when I'm dealing with people in the public, I always bring them around to becoming a player in the world of the private, which means that uh, courts aren't necessary until perhaps a final step. But just to back up a few steps, and then I'll get to that. I'll get around to answering that one. Uh, yeah, having a phone or some kind of recording device definitely works in your favor. For two reasons. One is that people don't like being recorded. Once they know they're being recorded, they're less likely to actually outwardly tell lies because they're being recorded doing it. Uh, and second of all, is that it's your witness. So you can either have somebody witnessing, you could have a friend with you, you could have anybody. And if you end up getting into some kind of uh, commercial verbal uh, stoush with anybody in the public, you can have your friend or whoever's with you you can just say, hey, look, would you witness that? Would you sign an affidavit to say that this person here has made these claims? And they'll say yes. And then that's your that's your proof of uh, that's your uh, second witness right there. If you don't have that, you do need to record it because when we're dealing with uh, anything legal, hearsay is not evidence. Only evidence actually, only what's on record is is uh able to pass as evidence. So you need a recording, essentially. You can't just walk in and say, oh, they said this and they said that. And they'll say, well, where's your evidence? And if you can't provide it, then whatever you've said just does not, it's not admissible in a court, for example. So to avoid getting to court, what we do is we engage people in what's called a private administration process. And that means noticing them directly. You can verbally notice them, but generally it's best to, uh, well, first, the first step is to verbally notice, for example, if we're having a conversation and you're saying that I'm sp supposed to uh, get a vaccine, wear a mask, pay a fine, whatever, I'll say, well, look, I'm happy to do that as long as you actually have uh, the authority to do so. Can you provide me with your source of authority to do that? Now, when they can't, that's when you say, well, look, I'm noticing you that if you cannot provide evidence and you cannot provide a source of authority, I'm going to counterclaim you and I'm going to sue you. So what you're doing then is by way of actually saying the word notice that I'm noticing you, then that puts them on notice. Let you, me jump in real quick. What yeah. would be a legitimate in the in the situation you laid down, what would be an acceptable legitimate authority that could be proffered by someone making this offer? Well the thing is the thing is that it doesn't exist. So uh, uh. a lot of people claim to have authority. So anybody I guess we'll back up uh just for a, a really basic premise to uh I guess, uh, an umbrella for everything that we'll talk about today is that there are two worlds and two realms that we can exist in. We have the private realm, as I've mentioned, and the public realm. 
Now, the difference between the two is that the private is the world of the living. The public is the world of the dead. So private is substance and, and uh, public is fiction. The reason that they can be hard to get your head around or you may not have heard of one or the other is that one is a mirror image of the other. So in the world of the private, we have uh, that's the world of the living and the world of substance. So in the world of the private, we have men and women. In the world of the public, which is the mirror image, but it's the world of uh, the non-living and fiction, we have persons. And what you'll find is that any code or statute or act that is written about us, supposedly about us, it is written about persons. Any persons not wearing a mask, any persons that want to travel need to get a vaccine, any persons, persons, persons. A person in a legal dictionary is an entity. It is, uh, it's fiction. It's like a trustee in bankruptcy, a resident, a ratepayer, a taxpayer, a driver, uh, a citizen. All these are statutory terms. So all of these codes, acts, statutes, and color of law, they apply to creatures of statute, which are non-living entities. That's what's made up. That's what your name is, essentially. So the man and the woman, which exist in the private, are given inherent rights. We have inalienable rights, and we are, well, we're actually given dominion because all of the laws come from the Bible, and men and women are given dominion. That's superior to rights. But for the purpose of what we're talking about, rights are still superior to anything else. So what the complementary or a mirror image of rights, which exist in the private, in the public, the mirror image are benefits and privileges. And essentially, a ward of the state is, or a slave, is given benefits and privileges. They do not have rights. A slave does not have rights. So in order to make your standing as somebody in the private, you can use a second witness principle. So in Australia, we do this. I know that guys in America do this too. And that is to ask somebody, for example, in a courtroom, we would say, so uh, look, your source of authority, uh, what is that, by the way? And they'll say, oh, it's the um, Health Code 2009 or the Police Powers Responsibility Act 2004, whatever it is. It's an, and you say, well, that's an act, right? And they go, yeah. And then you say, well, look, am I a man? Because you need them to corroborate evidence that you're a man. You need your second witness. They'll say, what do you mean? And say, no, no, that's a yes or no answer. Am I a man? And they'll say, well, yeah, I guess. Or, actually, I'll get to the or afterwards. <laughs> they'll say, yeah, you're a man. And then you say, great, so we have agreement that I'm a man. So tell me then, how does an act apply to a man? And that's a question they can't answer. The reason they can't answer that is because, as I said before, all acts, codes, and statutes, regulations, you know, anything that's put forward uh, Any time recently that's rushed through parliament, parliamentary meetings and all that, they apply only to persons, a person being a creature of statute, a dead entity, uh, a non-living uh, entity. So it does not apply to us if we are men and women. And if you can get them to admit that or to admit that they can't answer the questions, then that's an automatic win in commerce for you. The other side of that, which are which I was uh, stopped myself earlier just to save confusion, is that if they don't answer or they say no. Now, anybody who makes a claim, the burden of proof lies on the one making the claim. That's a maximum of law. So if somebody says, no, you're not a man, you say, really? Wow. Okay. Well, do you have some evidence for that then? Because whoever makes the claim, they have to back that up. 
they can't provide evidence that you're not a man. So they will lose by default. First of all, either by not backing up their claim with evidence or remaining silent then. If they just shut up then you say, well, hang on, uh, I asked you, so for the second time, do you have some evidence? So whatever the question is, you need to ask them three times. If they do not reply after being asked three times, then that is their assent. And an assent in legal terms means an unconscious decision to agree. And if they don't answer, you can answer for them. So um, it's probably going through a lot of lot of little things in a row for people to maybe uh, keep up with. But it's essentially just making sure that you are holding your position as a man or a woman. And if anybody questions that, they must provide evidence. And as a man or a woman, you're always asking the questions. You're not you're not answering well, other people's questions. Well, I got to ask a question then, because we've covered so many different ideas, like when people get pulled into a normal court for a traffic ticket or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, how come everyone doesn't just walk in and say to the so-called judge, am I a man? Wouldn't that stop but, the whole thing? Yeah, well, it can. It does. It, it does when used right. So there's a few in, in a courtroom. First of all, a court is not a level playing field. You're usually best not to go to court. So if you're offered a traffic, I, I, I'm not sure if the States is the same, but in Australia, 90% of court issues are traffic issues and traffic in our country and yours too are criminal offences. They're not civil. So um, if you walk in the first, I'll back up, instead of going to court, the best thing to do if you're offered a ticket is to ask a proof of claim. So you can put in a private administration process, which means that if they can't provide their source of authority to issue fines, if they can't provide the fact that they have any authority over you whatsoever, then that goes in as a default judgment in your favor. So that might not wipe the fine out. It can, but it might not always. So all you need to do then, instead of actually going into a courtroom and being in front of a judge, you can go into a, the registrar at a court with three unanswered notices with an affidavit in support, and then they can actually put through a court order in your favor because in commerce, you are the creditor then and you have one. So you don't even need to get in front of a judge. But let's say people are a bit new and they've, um, they, they go to court. So again, remembering that everything is an offer. When you get up in front of the judge, they'll ask you your name. They'll say, are you Mr. Tom Barnett? They always say, are you Mr. or Mrs. or Miss, whatever, because what they're trying to do is get you to enter into what's called joinder. And that is you agreeing to be surety for the name that they are calling out. So remember, nobody can put a piece of paper in jail or find a piece of paper they need the living being that's associated with it to either provide the labor, to provide money to give to the court or the, the system, or they need a living being to put into jail. But because nobody has rights over a living being, they need to get you to engage in joinder with the legal name, which is a fictional, uh, that's an entity, it's fictional. So they need to join the two. So what you can do when you go into a courtroom is you can, there's a number of things you can do, but you can, uh, first of all, uh, enter your non-consent. So when they say, are you Mr. Tom Barnett, for example, you say, well, your honor, out of necessity, I answer to that name, but in doing so, I reserve my rights and I waive all benefits and privileges. I'm only here under, uh, under duress and threats of menace. I do not consent to the proceedings. I do not consent to doing business with the prosecutor and the informant. I believe that I've done no wrong. Is there any other business before the court here today, your honor? 
And then what will happen is they'll probably uh, start trying to go again, and you'll probably have to do that three times. What generally happens, this is in a mention, when you have to put in your plea, guilty, not guilty. So this is before that even gets underway. As soon as they, as soon as you start talking, you have the floor they cannot interrupt. So you need to go through your non-consent process. You'll likely have to do it three times. Sometimes they'll throw you out then. Sometimes they'll say, well, I'm going to adjourn this and come back at 2 o'clock. Then you'll have to go back at 2 o'clock and you'll have to do the whole thing again. And then they'll say, well, look, I've had a, I've had a chat with the prosecutor over lunch, which they didn't. Um, but they'll say, well, you know, we, we, we think that, uh, you know, there's nothing here to support, so you're free to go. So you'll get off on a non-consent process. Every single time I've seen people do that, it's worked every time. But, you know, all these things take a lot of time out of your life. They're, they're basically they just, do. yeah, it, it, is there no remedy for that? Can't you turn around and say, okay, uh, I was here for no good reason and you just wasted seven, eight, nine, ten hours of my life? Yep, you sure can. But you need to establish that at the start. So when, so for example, I, re- I recently sued and won uh, a state government department and I'm currently suing two police officers and I'm also suing two debt collection agencies. So you need to be able to establish things at the beginning. I'll state right now, though, that although I've learned this, I've learned about my rights, I have not necessarily enjoyed it. I would much rather have been surfing, doing something productive, uh, being creative. I do not enjoy it. I, I actually resent the fact that I have had to spend the amount of time and money that I have in learning this because it's not something that I want to do. I don't want to be forced into somebody else's game only in order to like get off on a technicality and, oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't put your foot over the line or you didn't touch the net with your hand or whatever. Like that's all, I don't know if you can swear on your show. So <laughs> that's all, I, I don't like that. I'm not, I'm not into that at all. And I actually resent having to do that. So yes, the first thing that I do is I say to people, look, if, well, not in these words, but what I'm essentially saying is if you want to force me into a game that I don't want to play in the first place, I am absolutely going to drag you through the mud and I'm going to make it as difficult as possible for you to, uh, first of all, hold on to your finances, second of all, hold on to your job and third, you know, keep you out of jail. Like I will really threaten them at the start, which usually gets them off your back at the beginning. And so you do that by way of notice. So we always need to, when we have intent, we have to notice people with our intent. So for example, with the police officers I dealt with, they wanted to arrest me and I was saying, well, what are you going to arrest me for? What's the crime here? And they're saying, we need your ID. We need your name. I say, really? Well, would you mind providing me with your identification? We don't have to do that. So would you really? You don't have to. So I just have to give my identification to just anybody. Is that what you're saying? Like, wouldn't you want to know that somebody is a legitimate policeman before you handed over identification? And they again claimed that they didn't have to. So I said, and they said they were going to arrest me. So I said, well, look, this is your notice. That if you do that, that'll be a false arrest, a false detainment. I'll charge you with assault. I'll charge you with breach of civil liberties, breaching the peace. I'll I'll charge you with uh, obstruction and I'll charge you with personating a police officer because if you don't show me identification that you are a bona fide police officer, you are personating a police officer. That's a federal offense. You can go to jail for that. And so I was kind of hoping they would. I wasn't putting up much of a fight, so I let them do it. But I've not- I noticed them, and they have that on the recording. So I'm using that recording as evidence against them to sue them. So again, that's a, that's a little bit too far down the track for most people. But the point is, is that I noticed them. Once you give somebody your notice, then they are what's called on notice. And if they're on notice, if they do not rebut 
or um, or respond to in any way you're noticed, then they are going into commercial default. Once somebody goes into commercial default, there's not many things you can do to get out of commercial default because as the creditor, the one who noticed the other party, you always come out on top. When you have a private agreement with somebody in uh, under law, there is no law in the land, there's no judge, there is no authoritarian body that can come between an agreement between two people. So what that means is that if you and I have an agreement over some something, whether it's financial, an agreement over custody of kids, and it's in writing, there's evidence, if you go into a courtroom, they do not become a judge anymore. They, own, they are only then an administrator. And an administrator is there only to adjudicate based on the paperwork. This party here has the paperwork in and an affidavit. This person has no response and no paperwork and no supporting affidavit. As an administrator, I award that case to, or I award that matter to party A because they are the only ones with the paperwork in and everything in the paperwork is in their favor. So as the administrator, I award to them. That's all that they do. They're no longer judges in that, um, in that capacity. Well, I'm noticing something here. We've done this a few times and a lot to do has been made of jurisdiction. Now, I noticed that you outlined very carefully and concisely the realms, private and public, but I notice every time we've talked about the court, you have had zero concern for the jurisdiction of that court. Yeah. Yeah, because as a, if you maintain your role as a creditor, you are essentially going in there as a man and a court, a court does not have authority over a man. Now, there is a, there is a case where that applies. If you, let's say, ran over your neighbor with your car or shot somebody, you uh, you then come under, in the private, you have breached law. The only two laws essentially being, broadly speaking, love thy neighbor and love thy creator. Uh, those are the only two laws we're bound by. In the, pri- in the public, which is the mirror image, we have all the statutes, codes, and um, color of law. So in the private realm, there are only two laws. And in the public realm, the mirror image, there are in Australia over 7 million statutes. In the United States, more than 23 million statutes. So uh, that's a lot of different codes and statutes and acts to try to abide by. So if you have harmed people and committed an actual crime in the private, it's, uh, you know, you do come under somebody else's authority then. But even then, you do have uh, a lot up your sleeve. Uh, For example, if you apologize, you reset a commercial default. And if you opt to plead and pay and you're being tried for a criminal matter, it turns it into a civil matter. So that then the difference being that you'll still get a financial penalty, but you won't go to jail. That doesn't apply if you murder somebody. Let's back up a minute. I want to hear about the apology. Can you give an example? Uh, Yeah. So let's say, okay, I'll just preface this with what can go on in a courtroom because you're kind of bringing up courts a lot. My advice is always to stay out of court as much as possible. Try to reach private uh, private agreements. Uh, we can get into that uh, after we handle this if you want. So as far as being in a courtroom, remember it's not a level playing field. However, uh, if you know who you are and how to handle yourself, you'll 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 do okay. The problem with that is that most judges have the right to test you to see whether you are who you say you are. If you go in there as a creditor and as a man or a woman, um, they have the right to test you. They want to know that you know who you are. So what they'll do is they'll give you fish hooks. 
Now, what a fish hook is, is uh, they might, so Mark, the guy that I learned off from Solutions Empowerment, he's got several you know, heaps of examples. One is that, um, I'll use the, the apology as an example. There was one time when uh, he'd realized he'd said the wrong thing. Now, if you say the wrong thing and you inadvertently put yourself back into a public jurisdiction or you make a claim and don't back it up or you you somehow put yourself in, the, in a difficult position if you realize you've done that and you go, oh, hang on, I apologize for that, Your Honor, let me rephrase that. And then you say it a better way that doesn't put <laughs> you in that public realm. I love then that. that. That apology, the apology resets the commercial default. That comes from biblical principle. I forget the actual passage, but it says that uh, somebody asked, it was either Peter or Matthew or somebody, they said, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Is it seven times? I think it's Peter. He said, no, it's seven times 70, which essentially just means that if somebody is apologizing to you, uh, you, you are bound by biblical laws to forgive them. And it doesn't matter how many times you actually have to always forgive if somebody is, is genuinely apologizing for a wrongdoing. So if I'd, you know, I'd done something like I'd, I'd uh, you know, damaged your driveway or something like that. And I just say, like, you know, Jason or Crow, like, I'm really, really sorry. I, I, I apologize for, for um, I know that I've done something wrong to you and I, I apologize for that. I'm asking for forgiveness and how can I make it up to you, that kind of thing. Whether you think the Bible is great or not, it's irrelevant because that's what laws are, talk, are based on and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about law. So under law, under biblical law, uh, it's you do have a responsibility to forgive me for that. So the way that works in commerce is that if you apologize, for doing the, or saying the wrong thing, the apology resets the commercial default and that is wiped off the record. Now, what a judge did to Mark one time, he said, oh, you don't have to apologize. And he, he stopped for a second. He was like, oh, wait, that's a fish hook too. Because if he says, oh, thanks, then he's, that apology is taken out of the record. So then the commercial default that he entered into then stands in the court record. So what he did, he said, oh, he kind of, he twigged to it and he said, really? Oh, well, thank you for that, Your Honor, but I'm sure glad that I did apologize. So that means that his apology remains in the court record and it resets that commercial default. Well, let's be honest. These people are bastards and they want to trip you up. They do. Yeah, they do uh, to a degree. So you definitely, it's like policemen. You'll get the ones that are uh, polite and courteous, will follow code and you'll get the rogues. You'll get the ones that uh, are rude will go outside of their jurisdiction and do anything that they can to be a um, you know to be nasty people. So there's a remedy for that too, which I'll I'll get to. So the ones that the majority of them actually are just they want to test you. They want to know that you know who you are. That might be a bit depressing for people that are new and and like I don't know everything that I'm supposed to say. Uh, you know, in that regard, I would just say, just go in and do your best. It's better to go in and, and start at least attempting things and, and trying to stand on your own two feet. There's remedies for that too. So I'll get to the two remedies in a minute. Uh, first of all, yes, they, they can really try to trick you and be sneaky. Um, just remember always, you can always ask a question. So you're generally speaking, you're not dealing with the magistrate, you're dealing with the prosecutor. Quite often in a courtroom, you might say to the magistrate, look, am I a man? And the, the magistrate was like, don't talk to me, talk to the prosecutor. They don't want to be involved. You don't want to make a magistrate look bad because that's not going to work out for you getting a favorable de decision. If anything, you want to direct everything at the prosecutor. And I've seen magistrates giggle when, you, when people have made the, the uh, prosecutor look silly. 
like Mark does. He'll go in and he'll say, look, do you have some evidence for that? Do you have some evidence for that? He's always getting them to back up their claims. Am I a man? How does your act apply to a man? That kind of thing. And they'll look down and he'll actually say, he'll go, your honor, he's looking at his shoes. I don't think the answer's on his shoes. I'll ask again, where is your source of authority? And he gets right into him and the magistrate's sitting there laughing. So uh, not always are they there to, uh, you know, be, uh, be difficult to you. And especially if you direct your line of questioning at the prosecutor and not the magistrate. If you piss off the magistrate, it's not going to go well for your, uh, <laughs> for your decision. So my advice there is to always direct everything at your, um, the informants and the prosecutors. Make them go into default, then it's an easy win for you. Look, Your Honour, clearly they have no evidence against me. When can I have a, a decision in favour of the defendant? When can I pick up the court order? Uh, because you're just then stating, you're showing your confidence uh, in your, your win that you are literally just outright asking for the court order in your, in your, in your favour. And, uh, and they'll give that unless they're being difficult. So do you want me to go into what you can do if they're being difficult yep. now? Yeah, I do. I want to do that. Absolutely. But I'll point out, you know, I would imagine a vast percentage of most people having anything to do with the court, there's going to be no prosecutor there, right? It's just going to be the magistrate, the clerk for corporate fines, basically traffic and other things like that statute violations. So in a case like that, you kind of have to talk with the magistrate or the so-called judge, right? In Australia, there's always, a, there's always a prosecutor and it's a state prosecutor. It's the same guy that sits in the prosecution chair the whole, whole way through the day. Uh, all the paperwork against you, part, some is lodged with, well, it's the same in duplicate. It's lodged with the magistrate and it's lodged with the, the uh, prosecutor. So I'm not sure if it's different in the States. I've seen some YouTube clips where it's just some people sitting in a uh, small room and there's one like magistrate. I don't know if you saw the guy who was, um, there was one fairly recently. It was a guy who looked like he was uh, like a hunter kind of a guy. Like yeah, a the, what's his name, Jason? Natural man. Natural man. Natural man. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, and, and he, uh, he held his position really well against, against the magistrate and she got up and walked out, which is, you know, their default. I don't know what happens after that because it might there there's probably some differences between Australia and the United States in the way that court proceedings go but we always have a, a prosecutor in our small local courts even the, you know the local magistrate court always a prosecutor so if not if you guys don't always have and you have small county courts and you uh, are just dealing in a small room with a judge uh, then you would just uh, address them now what you want to do always in commerce, there are several ways to go into default. There, you can be belligerent. Belligerent is arguing, raising your voice, swearing at people, being, uh, and then you can go beyond that and enter into assault by threatening people. Uh, you know, directly yelling at them and being aggressive. That's belligerence bordering on assault. You want that's that's a default. If you remain honourable the whole time, you keep calm. You're polite. You address people as sir or madam or your honour. You know, people in the common law world say don't ever call them your honour because that's subverting to their uh, their status. But the reality is, is that it's just a term of, uh, you know, being polite. And as long as you have gone in reserving your rights, then you're fine. You're good. You're okay. You're not subverting to their status because you also are not answering their questions. So what they'll always try to do is get you to uh, answer a question. Nice case in point was a young guy locally who Mark was teaching, uh, went into magistrate's court, uh, held his position really well, went through the non-consent process and 
and uh, the magistrate was about to let him off. Sneaky magistrate right at the end said, okay, well, look, uh, I see no, uh, you know, I see no um, case here. Um, you're free to go. And hey, by the way, uh, what was your date of birth again, young man? And he answered him. He said, oh, I was the 5th of the 5th, 1995, whatever. <laughs> so right at the end, he was tricked into, um, he was tricked into answering a question therefore entering into agreement as a debtor to the creditor who was the the magistrate so well, wait a minute what should he what should he have said in that situation what what would have been the proper way to proceed there well it's always to answer a question with a question but in that situation what he could have said was he said well that's an interesting question your honor uh, look i could answer that but would i not be lying isn't it hearsay I mean, I was there when I was, I mean, I was present when I was born, but wasn't I too young to remember any kind of date of birth? Like, isn't that hearsay? Because hearsay is not evidence. And then, and then they would just say, oh, all right, get out. It was just testing him. I think he actually let that kid off. He was just proving a point because I've seen twice the magistrate actually help the defendant. That was one of them because I think that guy got off. He was just making a point. Make sure you don't answer questions. The other one was another younger guy. I think maybe, you know, younger people, they're a bit more lenient. So there was a younger guy in there who started started off with the non-consent process and then started saying stuff like, and I'm a man and you can't do this and I'm a man, blah, blah, blah. And the magistrate said, look, I think you should go and talk to your, uh, your advisor over there uh, because I'm not sure that you know who you are. And he made him go away and come back again after two o'clock. He did him a massive favor then because what he was saying is that you're mixing jurisdictions. You're coming in here, acting as a creditor and trying to uh, act as a man. But now what you're doing is you're mixing jurisdictions and you're, and you're acting as somebody else. And I, um, I don't think, I think you're a bit confused about who you are. I suggest you go away, figure out who you are and then come back. And that allowed him to go and talk to Mark, who was there and, and to coach him back through it and to go back in and do it right. So I have a lot of respect for magistrates that that do that, that aren't just there to cause fuss. So yeah, so to answer your question, when you're asked something like your date of birth, that's hearsay because as an infant, how can you possibly know your date of birth? So it's always hearsay. That's not, there's no evidence for that. So no matter what was said in response, the, the trap was sprung, right? I mean, I think a lot of people that follow me would say, uh, at the zygote or at conception or something like that, but it doesn't matter. If you respond to the question, you've, you've sprung the trap. No, if you answer the question, you've, you fall into the trap. So what you can do is always reserve, reserve your, uh, your right or reserve your, uh, answer. So the way, so just, if you will go back over that again. So I would say to you, well, your honor, I could answer that question. So now I'm not answering your question. I'm, and I'm not avoiding the question. If I avoid it, Remember, if I'm silent or I refuse or I say no, that's a commercial default. So I say, look, Your Honor, I could answer that question, but in doing so, would I not be committing fraud by offering uh, hearsay as evidence? Does this court accept hearsay as evidence? So now what I've done is I have not answered your question, but I've acknowledged your question and I've returned with a question of my own. So I've remained all at all times in honor. And I have remained at all times as a creditor because he won't answer that question. If he says, yes, I accept hearsay as evidence, you say, really? Well, that's interesting. So if I come over to your house this afternoon, I'll just claim it, right? I'll claim that as my house uh, and I'm going to take your house. He'll, he'll go, oh. So then you say, well, so we don't accept hearsay as evidence, do we? 
You know, so you're, you're always, and if you're going to do that and attack a judge, do it with a bit of tongue in cheek. If you do anything with a little bit of humor, which most magistrates appreciate because their jobs are pretty boring, they see the same thing day in, day out. They get someone in who's a bit testy. They're like, they're, they're jibing at the uh, prosecutor. They're cracking a couple of little jokes. That kind of thing goes a long way. So you could say whatever you want to the magistrate if you if you say it with a bit of tongue in cheek and you and you uh, you do it right. Thing is, I know that most people going into a courtroom, especially for the first few times, are going to be quite nervous, uh, quite concerned with just saying the right thing, a bit solemn in their approach, that kind of thing. So again, this is like a learning process. Um, don't expect to go in and, and win everything straight away. It, at my level, I don't expect to go in and win everything straight away. When I get to Mark's level, I will expect to win a 100% of everything all the time, like he does. So uh, I guess just to bring up the uh, what can happen if things go not in your favor, first of all, if it's the magistrate that definitely went outside of their bounds, and that's happened to Mark uh, a few times, the reason that he still won is that he then reported that to the attorney general because he had a witness in the courtroom. The attorney general got onto the magistrate and then fired the magistrate. He's had that happen to five magistrates and five or six policemen removed from their position because they went outside of codes of conduct. They were reported to their superiors and indemnity insurers. They were gone a week later. The other thing that you can do is that if for some reason you lost, let's say uh, you were tried on a criminal matter, which is traffic, then you apologize. You say, look, I'd like to plead and pay your honor. And they'll go, okay, and they'll say, is there, you know, with such and such, you could say, look, I just want you to know I'm on a very, very low income. I'd like you to consider that, Your Honor, when you're, um, you know, you're giving me my whatever the penalty is. And quite often I've seen people go in with $3,000 of fines and the magistrate give them $200 and a good behavior. So, you know, they're not always, they're not always bad. I've seen them give people like very, very, very I've seen them wipe them before. I've seen them. I've seen them wipe, and that's without even doing the non-consent. Going in as a private man, that's going in under the normal. Are you Mr. Tom Barnett? Yes, Your Honor. How do you plead to this? Oh, not guilty. Oh, guilty, Your Honor. And then, okay, well, you know, this, this. Tell me, tell me why you're here. Tell me that. Well, look, Your Honor, it was a, it was an honest mistake. I did this. I thought I'd paid for this, and I hadn't. It was unregistered. I, I actually had. It was no, uh, no intent. Um, look, I fully admit that I've done wrong. It'll never happen again. And I just ask your honor that you're, you're lenient with the penalty that you give me because I have a very low income. I'm trying to support my family, yada, yada, yada. I do. I already do community work. I volunteer here. I, I'm a good man in society, et cetera, et cetera. And I've seen people get off completely. And I've also seen people have thousands of dollars of fines reduced to a hundred or $200 and then told to get out. So if that's the case, if you apologize, let's say it all goes wrong, and then you apologize, say, look, Yana, I really apologize. I would, uh, you know, whatever. I'm happy to pay. I'd like to plead and pay, but just be lenient, please, that kind of thing. Then what you can do is you could use a promissory note or some other, um, some other bill of exchange, a financial instrument that you've created to pay the debt because in the world of the public, there is no such thing as debt. There is only liabilities to pay debts, which means that you can discharge a liability to pay a debt with several different methods. So that's another, I guess that's something else to talk about as well. But um, that just shows that there's always a remedy to kind of anything that can go down. You know what I mean? There's always a remedy. So it just depends on firstly, the amount of energy you have and the amount of motivation that you have to actually pursue anything. For example, I do not recommend threatening to sue anybody unless you fully intend 
to go through with that. It's like everybody's kind of had experience with somebody that goes, oh, I'll, I'll come around and bash you if you don't want And you kind of go, yeah, whatever, mate. It's kind of, you know that that's just empty words. So you don't listen to them. And then everybody's kind of come up against somebody or has come across somebody that like threatens them in some way. And you, you, you know, you just know you can feel it or you know in their words that they fully intend to follow through. So you know that they mean business. So if you're going to sue people or threaten in any way, uh, you just make sure that you're actually going to do it. If you're not, just, just you know, <laughs> take the path of least resistance. What happens is that when our legal entity gets involved in anything, our legal entity being our name, it always appears on agreements and contracts. So you you want to get a driver's license or a passport, you got to sign, you got to put your name on it, and you got to sign for it. So what you're doing then is you're actually entering into a legal agreement with another party. And if you actually read the terms and conditions of a driver's license or a passport or whatever, there's a lot of codes and things in there that says if you breach these, forget the term for what they are, but if you breach them, uh, then you can be given statutory penalties, those being fines for exceeding an arbitrary speed limit for whatever it is, whatever it is that you've signed for. Now, you've actually created a contract because an agreement is made when you sign something, but it becomes a contract when you add consideration and you pay for your driver's license or your passport or any other form of government documentation. You pay for that, which means that that's created a contract. So the way that you can reserve your rights going into any agreement or contract is to simply reserve your rights. Now, the way that you do that is in the way that you sign something. Wherever it says to sign, what you want to do is you want to write by, B-Y, and then underneath by, you write all rights reserved, capital A, and then everything else in lowercase. Then above the all rights reserved is where you do your signature. So what you're doing then is you're going in with all of your rights intact. Remember that rights are superior to benefits and privileges. What you're doing when you sign and you enter an agreement or a contract is you are accepting the benefits and privileges afforded by the state. Remember in the private realm, you have rights, inherent rights. That means the right to travel, the right to uh, you know, do whatever you want on your land, the right, to, the right to do anything at all, as long as you are not breaching the only laws, love thy neighbor, love thy creator. If you're not causing harm or loss, you have rights to do anything, which means traveling down any, any of the king's highways or byways, traveling uh, by land, sea, air, whatever, uh, you don't need licenses to do that. But when you sign for something and pay, you are then agreeing to all of the statutory, uh, potential statutory penalties and the benefits and privileges afforded to you by being a ward of the state. So the way that you maintain your status as a living being and, and reserving your rights is to reserve your rights with your autograph when you enter into any agreement or contract. Let me go over that again because I know I'm going to get 152 emails. Um, so you write BY by, yeah. and then yeah. right next to that, your signature, and then below yeah. all of that, capital A, all, and then lowercase everything, rights reserved. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, so, your, spelling, and your spelling rights, R I G H T S, right? Yeah. 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 So by means by accommodation. So that means that you, as the living, executor the, the uh, executor of the estate you are signing by accommodation of the name so you are you are maintaining rightful ownership over that you're not giving it away to, to anybody else so by 
signature all rights reserved underneath. You want to make sure when you're signing government documentation, this is important, that your signature touches in some way, shape or form the all rights reserved because what can happen, and I've seen it happen, is that the buy and the all rights reserved get cropped out and they just put that signature in the, um, on the passport or the, the driver's license. Now, they can't do that if it touches the all rights reserve because if they crop anything, it's going to have cropped out like a loop, a bottom loop or whatever of your signature, and it's going to look like it's being cropped out. So if you make sure your signature touches some of the writing in the all rights reserved, it means that the all rights reserved is still legible, but nobody can crop that section out to put onto your document. Does pen color or ballpoint pen or any of that, does it make a difference? Yeah. Okay. Good question. So it does, um, you, <laughs> if possible, uh, if you're a man signing gold, gold is Royal. If you're a woman signing purple, that's also Royal. Uh, otherwise sign in red or even just blue, blue ink. Black is black is a commercial color. However, um, the re uh, it doesn't matter because it's photocopied and it goes on in, um, in black anyway. But what you always want to do, and I'm glad you brought up that up because I forgot to mention it, you always want to ask for a copy of the application. Whenever you fill out a you know, whatever application it's for, you always fill out a form, right? And then that form is what forms the, the other document, the driver's license, the passport, the uh, pensioner's card, the whatever it is. So <laughs> when you've done that, you say, and you pay your money, you say, I'd like a copy of the application, please. They might say, well, we don't usually give those out. Why do you want that? And you would say, well, you know, I do business and in business, I always keep a copy of all the transactions that I make. Don't you do that? And they'll say, yeah, I guess so. Oh, well, okay. So, and you say, well, thank you. I'd like a copy of my application. Thank you very much. So what that means is that, again, that's going to be a photocopy, but the original, if it ever came down to it, it shows that, well, you can ask for uh, evidence of the original and the original will show that it was signed in blue, purple or uh, gold ink. But at the same time, I really don't think that's going to matter a great deal because you're dealing with something that's really quite uh, low down the food chain, if you know what I mean. Uh, if you were signing something like a deed to a house or a, you know some massive court thing, that's when you would make sure you sign in, in a different color other than black. But I think at this stage, you're always dealing with photocopies. It's going to come out black anyway. And the point is just to show that you have signed all rights reserved and that is your that's your proof. If anybody ever tried to come back on things like you know, oh, you could have just written this on there afterwards or whatever, whatever way that they could make a claim. First thing you would do if anybody says that, you say, well, do you have some evidence? Because they're making a claim, you make them back it up. Second of all, though, if you're required to put in paperwork and in court, if you do not file paperwork properly with a supporting affidavit, it will not be seen. It needs to be supported. You can't just say stuff in court. Uh, generally, if you've got evidence that you want to put in, you have to put it in in paperwork, which Sometimes you can just photocopy a license or a passport. That's fine. Other times you may, if it's a really heavy case, you may need an original, a copy of the original contract, because then if the, let's say the people who issued the passport or the driver's license or whatever, let's say they're trying to come at you for something, you have the contract that you have with them. You have evidence that you went into the contract reserving your rights. All right. So, and, and I'm guessing what I was going to ask is what rights are you reserving and I'm guessing you're reserving the rights of a living man or a living woman or basically your private rights, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, the rights of a living man or woman, which is essentially the right, which is essentially all rights. Remember, rights are superior to benefits and privileges. 
benefits and privileges are you may use a car on a road, you may travel across a border, you may this, that, and the other. Those are benefits and privileges. When you have rights, that is superior to all of that. You don't need somebody to tell you or to allow you to do any of those things. You inherently have those rights. So when you sign all rights reserved, you go in with all of your rights intact, bar none. Okay, well, I think we're getting close here, and I would just say, so, I mean, for just about everything you sign, that would probably be a good thing to remember. If you're pulled over on the side of the road for speeding, you would sign a ticket in that way, would you not? Yeah, look, I mean, you guys have a different system to us. Um, if you sign, remember, that's that's a good point, because if you sign, you're agreeing that you're entering into a commercial contract, but if you reserve your rights while doing that, that's another story, uh, but I don't want to say too much stuff about the states. I think if you looked up enough on YouTube, or well, you guys might have enough uh, knowledge anyway, if I say this to you, in our country, if a policeman pulls you over and said, hey, look, mate, you were doing uh, 100 kilometers an hour in this 80 zone or whatever, and I would just say, well, do you have some evidence for that? They're looking for you. They have no evidence. Even if they show you a radar gun, that is not evidence. They are looking for you to be their second witness and for you to incriminate yourself. So the way you incriminate yourself is by agreeing in some way or like, oh, you suck, I hate police, blah, blah, blah. Any of that is agreeing to them. What you would do is you say, well, look, do you have some evidence for that? They'll say, what do you mean? well, I've got this. No, no, no. Look, I highly doubt that's true. If you say I highly doubt that's true, you're not arguing. They say you were doing this speed and you say, well, look, I highly doubt that's true, your officer. Is there anything else I can help you with or am I free to go? You might have to do that three times, but you can get, you can, uh, if they can't get you to incriminate yourself, they have no evidence, you'll be on your way. I'll have to get someone from the States, if I'm not mistaken, by carrying a license, refusing to sign a citation from a peace officer breaches the contract that you've made, but I don't know that for sure. Anyhow, I think we're pretty much at the top of the hour. Jason, anything you want to get in? For hour two, Tom, if possible, I would like to discuss what a judge actually is, and you had mentioned things about insurances and things like that. I would like to know what their standing truly is. Same thing with police officers and all that. Who's actually in control of them? I think that would be a very interesting way to take it. All right. Sure. So we're going we're gonna to bring that up in hour two. Tom, do you want to put your contact information out? And I will forewarn you, if you do, there is a good chance you will get hundreds upon hundreds of emails. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I mean, I've learned my stuff. But I don't profess to being an expert. I would just give uh, a couple of websites that I learn from, and then I would um, I would let people go to them. Okay. Do you have a membership to Crow777radio.com? Uh, no. As soon as we get done with this interview, please email me with an email and a username you want, and I will open up an account the morning this goes live, which will be next Thursday. I will email you. And I'm hoping you'll show up in the comments underneath, and that's as good as giving out your information. But anyhow, that does bring the first hour of 237 to a close. We're going to come back in hour two at crow777radio.com, and we're going to cover a number of things that people are concerned about now that we can't really talk about. Uh, when you pre-judge yourself, I'll just call it for YouTube these days, it's made pretty clear that you can't talk about viruses or anything else or masks, none of it, uh, or you're going to get pummeled. So there it is. Join us at crow777radio.com for hour two. That's the only real crow site. There it is. Cheers.
Wolfenbauer.